Welcome back, everyone, to To the Table, this wonderful program here on the Red Spotlight Network. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez, the very showrunner and creator of this wonderful series that was, I don't even remember what the year was. I'm going to assume it was 2016, maybe even 2017, whenever the show first went on the air. Um, we are a seasonal show, which means only certain times of the year we come and actually do um, <laughs> this particular program where we meet together. <laughs> And uh, Peter sends us lists of films. Lately, it's been under the uh, under themes, and uh, I mainly will come here and I will talk about the movie that I've never seen before uh, for the very first time. And this is part of our Bulloween spectacular, I believe, our fifteenth annual. Is that how you build it last time, Peter? Sure. I think that's what you said last time. Uh, and, and the last time was the first part of this uh, themed two months, which was the original Candyman from 1992, I believe. Um, and today we have not one but two films, both from the year 1989. How about that? Um, and both have some pretty interesting similar themes, and that is <laughs> the movie... Um, they Live by John Carpenter, and it's also uh, Society by, I forget his name, it's a very interesting name that he has, the last name anyway, but I don't know um, his, the director's name, but Peter will, and he will inform us when we get to that part of the show. So that is today's episode here on To The Table. Uh, I th- Look, li- a little bit of background here, I give Peter a uh, full license, of course, to pick whatever films he wants uh, with the <laughs> themes that we do here. Yes. Um, and I, and part of us doing this show, aside from talking about the movies, is you know, uh, getting a sense. At least I want to get a sense for what of all the movies, because you've seen far more movies than I have, especially in the in the horror genre. Uh, where do you even start? And it, I mean, I guess if I were to give an answer on uh, just these two films, and maybe also even with Candyman, they all seem to have a particular through line and that is uh politics <laughs> uh very very political commentary overt social commentary on it's on these social commentary spooktacular because <laughs> it seems pretty overt at this point that's kind of the through line with these movies but yeah. that's just kind of and and he and he knows that that's kind of the stuff that i like mm-hmm. anyway so because i ain't like a weak beta male <laughs> Uh, unlike some of these assholes, beta. Uh, but, yeah. So, as, <laughs> your your rationale for picking these movies, uh, um, Peter? Well, <laughs> I mean, I kind of said it's social commentary, spooktacular. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Um, these two particular films. Well, it's because we, what gave me the idea is we we basically started with Candyman, right? And it's like, oh, okay, perfect through line. Because there's actually a lot of horror films that I personally like, or at least horror adjacent films, that are very much in the political, like, the social commentary is insane. And it's so in your face and it's so unapologetic and bombastic. And I think the reason why I, I chose these is because um, like people today will cry and they'll be like, why are you uncertain politics? 
into my movies and even um people with the the new candy man they're like you know it's a little on the nose right <laughs> and it's like bitch you don't know what on the nose is because <laughs> ooh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um horror films have been political since the beginning of film and they have been on the nose since the beginning and some of the most cherished films in the horror genre like you don't realize how blatant their messaging is and just how mm. out there they are um and they're they're some of my favorite films and by the way they're some of horror fans favorite films like these aren't like um unknown gems that no one knows about like everyone knows about these films within the horror fan you know community or whatever so yeah it's it's not like like oh this this small film to the side that no one's ever fucking heard of like no like these are huge films when it comes when you're talking about the history of horror so um yeah i thought it would be fun to take a look at them with mr social soto himself (laughs) (laughs) that's a deep cut reference for those who have any idea well if anybody even listens to this i don't think you'd even know this is a really deep cut even listening social soto i know (laughs) uh so should we get right into it i think we should all right no and i definitely appreciate that uh all of what you said uh and uh yeah they live was the first that you gave me. They live, and from what I understand, this is a uh, one of uh, Carpenter's not so appreciated ones. At least at the time, it wasn't. None of his films were appreciated at the time. I think the only film, is that so? Yeah, really. I think the only film that was appreciated at the time was Halloween. Not even the thing. No. Okay, you don't. Interesting. I don't know any of that history. Okay, no, I the don't. thing was savaged. At the time, <sighs> by critics. Oh, like The Shining and everything? And I think it had something to do with it opening, like, the same week as E.T. Or a week or two <laughs> after E.T. Didn't we have this exact conversation with another movie? Didn't, like, with Poltergeist? No, that's, that that came out in the same summer, not the same yeah, week was... or so, yeah. But it, I, I think people just didn't have the stomach for grotesque aliens. They wanted their cute, cuddly... E.T. and yeah it was a whole thing it wasn't until much later and if you've ever seen John Carpenter talk um, or read any of his interviews which I do have one saved right here I don't know if you saved it as well because sometimes you like to look things up I've seen some of the interviews I know I, okay. I definitely had to uh, I, I whenever I watch anything um, I'd like to go on YouTube and see what about this movie has been said by anybody, right? And so I come across I come across some old clips and interviews, and I've seen some Carpenter interviews, and I let's just say I appreciate his uh, his candor if, uh, and his bluntness. If you can believe it's even possible, he comes off like a grumpier Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, he's great though. He's fantastic. So okay, they live, directed by John Carpenter. You see them on the street. You watch them on TV. You might even vote for one this fall. You think they're people just like you. You're wrong. Is this 2020? You're dead wrong. (laughs) Nada, a wanderer without meaning in his life, discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world the way it truly is. 
as he walks the streets of Los Angeles, Nara notices that both the media and the government are compromised of subliminal messages meant to keep keep the population subdued and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nara fights to free humanity from the mind-controlling aliens. Uh, starring Roddy Piper, Roddy Rodney Piper, and Keith David, the always great Keith David. We should note with uh, Nada, that's uh, a name that he's never called anything in the movie. It's really attached on when you see the end credits. Mm-hmm. That's where you see the placement of Nada. But Nada in Spanish means nothing. And I know that this is based off some, like a novel or something. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's referred to that uh, name in that particular source material. But in the movie, he's never called by any name. What's great about John Carpenter, and this is also something I took from one of his interviews, and I love this about him. He won't give you any details that he thinks don't matter to the film. Like, wh- what the fuck does that matter? Like, the thing, right? The the thing is about a group of scientists in Antarctica. You, you get the main idea. Like, they just they find an alien in the ice, and it's mm-hmm. this whole thing. You're never told what the scientists are studying. Because why would you need to Because it doesn't matter. Because it does and Right. And and he'll say it like, who who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. (laughs) And I love that about him so much. So, yeah, like, uh, in his mind, he's probably like, why do you need to know his fucking name? He's a guy. That, like, that his name isn't important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah. This, This is one of my favorite films of all time by one of my favorite directors of all time. So I'm, I'm interested in, in how you feel because you have seen a John Carpenter film before you've seen Hollywood. I have actually. Yeah. Yeah. His most famous work, but, um, yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you think? (laughs) Um, uh, it's interesting because, uh, I, I was having such a great time watching the movie um, all around, and there's a lot of things that were really going for me. And I, it didn't occur to me until after I had long finished watching it. They live, obviously. Um, and I feel like, I don't know if this occurred to you as well, but I almost feel like this was kind of made in a lab for me to kind of love. Because you're kind of putting all, like all of my favorite things together, because it's like you have uh, an overarching like an overt social political commentary, um, and it's obviously slanted with my personal viewpoint um, to the to the degree in which I fully agree. That's how they are, um, and you know what I, what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Carpenter's point of view of not only what he is particularly. Um, uh, uh, the commentary that right what well, he's criticizing that not just for that particular era but you know even i think it's applicable to our era uh because sadly of course that was the era where the world changed forever as far as american politics is concerned and i think we're still stuck in that rut right now um so it definitely still applies but then uh you also have uh 
you're you're marrying that with oh here's kind of an alien invasion and there are aliens around and if you remember that show we did think uh mid 2020 yeah with uh you just had a thing for aliens it seems like a lot of the favorite movies that i grew up watching and still love today just happen to have aliens (laughs) and so it's like huh you kind of like putting all these different things all together and it's kind of impossible for me to hate it. And that's kind of what happened. Um, it felt very much a movie made of its time. It's a very 80s movie. Oh, in, yeah. I think a very good way. Um, and honestly, it's like for the first half hour, 45 minutes or so, you almost don't even know like what you don't really realize at that point what movie you're really watching just yet. Like at first it plays out like a mystery, like a mystery of like, you know, there's a conspiracy going on, you know, something is keeping you on edge all the while. There's like this, this commentary happening on the side and you know, it's going to tie in somehow. Um, but you're not sure just yet, but then kind of a bomb goes off and then you realize, Oh fuck. Where did I didn't think this movie was going to go in this direction. And then you see, and it's like, Holy fuck. Uh, look, this was so much fun. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I, I, I loved every bit of it. I, I was fully engaged all the way through. Even in the beginning when it was like very deliberate with like its pace. Mm-hmm. But as like, but when the movie gets going, it really just kind of races toward that finale. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I wonder, uh, and I did see that, as you just mentioned, we had this discussion beforehand that none of uh, Carpenter's work, aside from Halloween, was like really all that appreciated at its time. But I have to imagine that the um, the overwhelming dick sucking happening uh, on Ronald Reagan's, you know, nether regions was probably influencing some people from not uh, appreciating this film because it was very, very clearly. This probably is one of the most anti-Reagan movies I've seen. And I imagine it was the most anti-Reagan film of during the time that he would have been president of the United States. Um, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I have a quote know, here, poor, unless you, want, you have a quote. Please, wanna, please. Um, what year was this from? It was, shit, can I, 2015. Um, and this is an interviewer asking him questions. He says, they live was a reaction to the Reagan years, but the income, well, wait, let me see. Yeah, no, that's right. But the income inequality, corporate, corporate ownership of the media, all of this is more extreme now than ever. And then he replies, yeah, it is. You have to understand something. It's a documentary. It's not science fiction. And then they ask, do you feel like it's gotten worse since then? And then he replies, it's morphed into something really bizarre. The same problem, unrestrained capitalism still exists. Uh, (laughs) Listen, I'm a very happy capitalist. I love my country. I love the systems that we're in, but not without some restraints on it. The last recession we had is an example. The 80s never ended. The mentality that the 80s bred is really alive and well. There's the part that's so bad. Nothing is built to last. Everything is built to make profit. But I don't want to whine about it. And I can just imagine him saying like, yeah, but I don't want to wind up. He has such a, 
an interesting attitude to a lot of things. There was one interview I saw with him, uh, basically saying the exact same thing. But he was actually with the uh, he was doing an interview uh, with a British reporter, and then at one point, like he was, you know, obviously talking about Ronald Reagan, and then he mentioned, I think his words were, "and your girl Thatcher." Uh, they two they came in together at the same time and kind of ruined everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is obviously it's objective truth. It's just the way. Uh, well, <laughs> from my point of view, they destroyed everything, um, and they were successful in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Li- <laughs> um, the thing is, I'll say this. Uh-huh. Let me just say okay. this about this real quick. Like, I I feel like uh, in regards to those comments, like with. I feel like he's absolutely right in that, you know, I I guess for me is I wouldn't call myself a capitalist because so much, you know, ruin and disaster has been associated with people who have proudly called themselves that. And mm-hmm. I just can't stand being associated with them. That 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 also doesn't mean that I want the capitalist system to go away entirely. I think, like he said, it can be very good. It can be very beneficial. And for a time it was. It's just unfettered capitalism Mm -hmm. leads to um, oligarchy. It leads to monopolies. And that's not capitalism. That's um, that's kind of dystopia for me. Future feudalism? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's just not it doesn't work. And there's a very Mm -hmm. clear difference. Um, And uh, I, I think that this movie was very um not the subtlest <laughs> of um in terms of how that world would look like. In fact, he was making the argument yeah. with the movie that we're already there in the 80s. Like this is what we oh, are. Oh yeah, at the 80s. But what's funny is this is why I always think when people are like, well, you know, it's not subtle enough. It's over, it's a little over the top. What's wrong with being over the top? This is a guy who's just like, you know, I'm a capitalist, but like I need I critique it because a lot of it's shitty, right? And it is like the most in your face, like fucking the signs obey, um, buy shit. Like just like you would think a fucking calm calm a dirty commie made this movie. <laughs> um Right. <laughs> But no, it's just like back then. It's like if you had something to criticize, you you fucking said it with your chest, you know. Um, but I could just imagine this movie coming out today and be, and people being like, "Oh, well, you know, it would have been better if it was, you know, had restrained itself or was more so." Like fuck that. What makes it so great is how, um, just how in your face it is. You know, the, this i this idea that like yeah. The elites and the the rich, they're lit- they're not even human. <laughs> they're fucking aliens, <laughs> and you're subliminally being. And I mean, that's what advertisement is, right? It's yeah. And uh, talk about it getting worse with fucking phones and and personalized um ads and everything that goes into that. And and the way we're taught to like purchase things, because if you purchase things, you get a shot of euphoria, and that numbs you for a while until you need to purchase something else, and then the numbing continues, and then nothing changes. Um, there's a lot to criticize. Well, look, it's gone to the point where now any random conversation, I could be talking to my mom about, oh, we need to go pick up some milk or ranch dressing, and then on my phone, I see an ad for it, like not even... To, to 10 minutes later yeah it's gotten to the point where 
um, when I'm opening a package, like today I'm opening some new posters, as I'm opening them, I get a notification on my phone, oh, they've been delivered. And I feel like every time, without, it, without fail, every time I open a new package, as I'm opening it, my phone gives me the notification, oh, I think I hear you opening it. Let me remind you that you've gotten <laughs> your package. It's delivered. Give us five stars. It is so creepy. Yeah. It is beyond, like, that's... Ugh. That's why I think it's so funny, though, and this is a little bit of a detour, but, like, the anti-vax people, they're like, they're gonna put a microchip in our arms and da-da-da-da-da. Bitch, they- You already have they a microchip. They got you. They got you, They don't you, need man. to put it in your arm. You hold it. You you willfully speak into it and, and type in your greatest fears and desires into it. Like, what, what the fuck would a microchip do? Uh, <laughs> like, the phone's there. It's done. Like- um, but yeah, no, as, as far as social commentary goes, I love this film and it's so iconic. Yeah. Like yeah. for years, um, before I ever saw the film, I've always, I saw those posters, right. And those signs on shirts and really everywhere. I don't know why, but like in big, bold words, obey, um, buy shit. You know, um, let me see. Um, procreate. Procreate. Is that one of the ones? <laughs> Sleep. Consume. That's a consume. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's what I was thinking of. Everywhere you see it, consume, consume, obey, consume, conform, obey. Like, it's the most blatant shit. <laughs> but it's great. It's fantastic. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Because that's what ads do, right? They tell you in, in the way they advertise to you and the things they sell you, they tell you how to live, right? And here's a really good example. Um, for years... For years, advertisement around milk has always been about, like, how good it is for your bones, right? Like, like it's doctors recommend you need to drink milk, da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's this huge, huge thing. The reality is, it's really not that, doesn't really do much for your bones. Like, it's it's, it's not this, this miracle drug, milk, that, that keeps your bones super healthy, right? But... That's what the the dairy company sold you, and that's what everyone believed, and that, and it it worked. Everyone drank milk, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I I just I think it is fantastic science fiction. To put it that, there's way. this great scene um, that stood out to me. It's it's great in terms of well, of its execution, but really it's kind of a sad commentary. For me, it was a sad commentary how effective um, American propaganda is, um, you know, at really like, and for a long time, you know, for the longest time, although maybe a little bit it's wearing off, at least with younger working class people, but with the working class in general of America, uh, you know, like a lot of. American propaganda really uh you can almost argue from the from its inception this whole notion of the American dream 
was used to really keep the middle and lower classes satiated, uh, you know, with the hope that by chance, maybe if you work hard enough, you can, uh, you'll have your moment where you can, you know, you know, upward mobility and that whole crap that doesn't really come true mm -hmm. any longer. It's really a fantasy if ever, if ever it was a reality. But this wonderful scene toward the beginning of the movie where Nada is speaking with Keith David, right? Yeah. Um, um, and they're overlooking the city. And I believe it's Chicago? L.A.? Or is it L.A.? No, it's L.A., L.A., never mind. L.A. Um, I was just there. It's quite hot. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, Keith David's, you know, basically just like, you know, trashing all of the uh, realities that have led to him in his position. You know, mm -hmm. Keith David is somebody who apparently, he says he left his family. Uh, he traveled elsewhere where he is in LA to find some work because the, there's no work to go around and th such as the wonderful policies brought to you by Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan that's exactly what you get you get people working class people out of work and have to go find work wherever they can um, because that's what it is so he's saying all these things and not a kind of um doesn't really agree with that. And this is somebody who we see in the beginning of the movie just wandering from town to town. Mm -hmm. He has really no place to got call nada. his own. We don't – we got – exactly. He's got nada. And you think of all people, he would be perhaps the most um, amenable to agree with that. And he didn't seem to at all. He, he had a very – you know, to – I guess – this speaks to his spirit, but he was very optimistic that in spite of all the hardship that he suffered, he'd still, he still believes that there's going to be this wonderful opportunity that'll come because as he says, I believe in America. My turn will come. And you, you felt how assured, you felt how confident he was in saying that. And this is somebody who is, who has got nothing, who's just wandering, who's really like, you know, in all likelihood, this shit ain't going to happen for you. And yet here he is. And it's just, well, that's a sad commentary on how effective America um, propaganda is. That's his arc in the film. Yes. He's just discovering that that's a lie. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and his sort of feeling of betrayal to that, like that's to me, the, the reason why he's so committed to bringing all that shit down is because of that is, is because mm -hmm. his whole life, He's, you know, he was told the lie that everyone is, is told, like, you know, you just work hard and, and, and do do right. You'll have your time in the sun. And it's like, that, that's not true. <laughs> that's not a it's not a guarantee. That's what the rich tell the, the masses to keep them fighting amongst themselves, to keep them blaming themselves and, and blaming each other. When things don't go right for them, instead of the people that you know were hoarding all the wealth, um, and yeah, his he the whole arc of the film is basically just his awakening, mm -hmm. and him just going like "fuck this." But what's great about the film too is that it's fun. It's a fun. That's film. true. Yes, like we may. I feel like our entire discussion doesn't doesn't sound like we're discussing a fun movie, but it is a very it's fun, very movie. fun. And it's funny. Um. <laughs> funny sometimes for dark reasons. And I don't know if we, we, we can discuss the humor mm -hmm. at length. There's some really, as I've come to discover, um, infamous movie lines, as they say, that evidently... Um, they started here. Yeah. And evidently that were almost completely improv, mm -hmm. it seemed like. Um, 
but when I when I refer to like humorous in a dark way, like uh, at first when uh you know Sonata and Keith David uh, are basically in this homeless encampment, if you will, in LA, and right nearby is a church where some of the uh conspirators, the people who have uh you know become aware of that the fact that the planet has been taken over by aliens, or at least the country or LA. I'm not sure if it's ever, I mean, some people were saying that it's never really stated how like widespread it is, but I felt the movie made it pretty clear that the entire planet was already taking over when they said that the countries didn't matter anymore. So yeah, like that was, was my perspective. It seems like it's basically done. Yeah. Like it already happened. So this is a church nearby and this group of, I guess you want to call them the resistance or whatever, they were, you know, sending broadcast signals all nearby and trying to get the word out there that this has already happened. Um, and so it comes to a point where, guess what, the government finds out where they are and they send in everybody <laughs> and they send in everybody. And at first I wasn't sure to the full extent of it was, but the way that they uh, they came at in particular the homeless people, uh, I was laughing to myself. I, I mean, it's not funny that it actually is reality, but it, it, um, it's the way it is. But you almost felt as if like they were going to a Black Lives Matter rally or something or a protest with all the gear that, that they showed up with mm-hmm. um, and how like in, in, in a complete state of ruin, the police left in their wake. But then I didn't think – I spoke too soon because then there were more, even more that came, and the entire place was trashed. I think they even killed some people just for the fun of it. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It was pretty fucking dark, that whole sequence. Just over <laughs> the top. And, and and I think that's what keeps the movie sometimes a dark humor, um, but always funny, is just <laughs> it can get very over the top. Like yeah. you talk about yeah. that where it, it's literally like fucking SEAL Team 6 breaking <laughs> into this church of just uh, the congregation of like homeless people and, you know, downtrodden. But then there's also earlier in the film where Nada's trying to get Keith David to put on the glasses. I oh, mean later in the movie. Oh, is it? later this is much later so in, in the beginning this is before oh yo that's right that's right uh, yeah. yeah no i remember because much mm-hmm. later in the movie mm-hmm. is when nada is trying to get keith david to put on the glasses and i have to say it's the most ridiculous over the top fight yeah. just to, to, for him to put on the glasses i was getting kind of exhausted looking at it like wait are we still doing this it's like how long how much longer is it gonna go five and a half minutes and, and it just keeps going <laughs> And it just keeps going and going. And it's it's one of those things where it's it's so funny because it just keeps you keep thinking it's over. Yes. And then they start fighting. <laughs> and he's just like, put on the glasses. And he's like, fuck you, no. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh but it's played straight and it works. And it's just yeah. so funny. Yeah. It was funny to me. I don't know if we could. I don't know if we can like um, uh, classify that as '80s cheese. Oh, it's 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 delicious '80s cheese. So much of this <laughs> film is '80s cheese. Yeah, like there was this wonderful moment. Even though I think it also had some shock value, but this is when Nada is in um, Holly's apartment after he's kidnapped her. Uh, and he's had her take her. He's had her take him 
uh, to harbor him in um, at her apartment. And then as soon as like Nada like drops his guard, she fucking pushes him out the window. Like all like and honestly, kind of like effortlessly, she just pushes him out the window and happens to be a glass window and you hear the shattering and he just and he falls. I don't know how far he falls, but like you think to yourself, did he fucking just did he die? Is like this, that was is he over? <laughs> talk about over the top, yeah. but it worked though. <laughs> no, it's I think it's great, but it also comes to like just like the designs of like the aliens. They're so yeah. iconic, but it's also so it's basic yet over the top at the same time. Right? Like the, the yes. skull, it, it's it, they almost look like inside out humans. Mm, or, I or see. Like, yeah, it, you, you know how like if the skull was inverse with like the meat and the the tendons yeah. and stuff. I guess to imply they're like the inverse of humanity. <laughs> They're inhuman. They're inhuman. They're not that bad. <laughs> no. Carpenter, uh, I believe, described them as uh, intentionally made to look as if they've been corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a good um, way to put it. No, I like the look of them. It actually, and because a lot, when... Those sequences are pretty cleverly played, um, at least as far as how they're directed and how they're made to look like. Um, they're, you know, kind of, you know, in black and white, mm-hmm. right? And they, they really do look quite menacing in black and white. Because, like, wait a minute, these things are walking among us. I think that's and what then helps. When they, when they, is that yes. it's in black? And I don't. You don't really yeah. see them in like color until later on, unless the very yeah, end. the very movie. end. The ending of this movie, oh my god, the last scene of this movie. I just remembered how this thing ends. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I I agree with you. I think the black and white definitely helped. Um, and it was creepy. Especially, one of the creepiest moments, though, was when, um, you know, uh, Nada wasn't, wasn't being very cautious with what he was saying he's never and then cautious we'll, in this film no well, he's that, just not that's what's interesting he's he's supposed to be your mr joe average right uh-huh. he comes in he's he's kind of a wanderer but he's he's a construction worker he's he's not the smartest guy no and you can see that in every decision he makes <laughs> yes <laughs> like when he just realizes everything that's going on with the glasses he just decides to pop in places and just start shooting it up. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His first thought was like, well, fuck this. And then just grabs a gun and then just <laughs> fucking shit up. I think it speaks to how betrayed, of course, he was. Mm-hmm. And like how he like, it speaks to somebody who's like been so betrayed and realizes this whole thing has been full of shit. And he just starts shooting things up. Of course, though, if you really thought things through... You wouldn't. That wouldn't be a. Ra- that that's just not a rational thing to do. <laughs> no, because you, all you're doing is just drawing immediate attention to yourself. Like one of the first things he did was like basically, uh, like uh, verbally harass this old woman uh, who end, ended up being one of those aliens. 
Um, it didn't take her long to realize, oh, he can see. And then she like speaks into her, like, I guess she has like a device on their wrist. Mm-hmm. I have one that can see. And like, oh shit, I would be running for my life. At yeah. That point. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. But like the, the second he sees her, he just starts grunt, like shaking her. You old bitch. I know what you are. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> At least try to play it cool. <laughs> but no, he, he stumbles his way to to showing the world. He on he, he stumbling is the right, the best way of describing it. He just <laughs> I don't think there was any, there was no grand design, it just kinda happens. Yeah. Um like he's just he has that much luck, I guess, because then he he stumbles into these two cops who are and actually, you know, two of the aliens. He just straight up murders them. <laughs> And Ryan, he just trucks along. <laughs> I will say about this film, well, both the films that we're going to talk about, it does one of those things that I really love with movies, especially these kinds of movies, where once the story is over, the movie's over. It's over. Yes. Like, oh, like okay, this was accomplished. Cut to credits. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no epilogue no like hmm where do our characters end no fuck that we told the story it's done um and which is so like you think about how movie making is like today and you think about all the movies we've seen just this year uh really contrary to how i guess what most audiences really want out of a movie and that is a tag at the end of it i think you can probably blame marvel for that but all the marvel movies have tags uh, i guess you could even say Suicide Squad had a tag with the the peacemaker thing at the end of it. Like most of these movies have tags where it's like, okay, now it's this the last thing that you see is setting up something else. Mm-hmm. Or even before Marvel, you could say something as like Lord of the Rings, which is famous for like especially the last movie, uh, Return of the King, for having like a whole I think a whole half hour, maybe even longer than that, uh just be like like setting like basically having these final scenes with characters and really the main action already concluded. And that's kind of the key here is like as the, this film reaches its peak and then it's over. Yes. There's no like resolution. There's no like conclusion there's or no, like There's no like okay, just, we're going to bring it down now. There's no falling action. Mm-hmm. It's just absent of that. Yes. I can I I dig that. Especially with these yeah. kinds of films cuz we can blame it on Marvel, but I think even before that, movies had just just sort of become bloated in their run. Sure. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings, perhaps, yeah. even though that's a great movie and it's a great Lord ending. of the Rings is one of the few instances where it works. But yes. So, but so many people have come to expect just, they want they, like, you know, it's supposed to be two and a half hours long. Why isn't it two and a half hours long? And it's like most mov- movies never needed to be two and a half to hours long to tell great story with great characters. Like mm-hmm. the average before was, 90 minutes you know hour and a half to maybe around two hours two and a half was rare but all of a sudden oh my god two and a half was almost not no i'm not i'm not even sure rare is the right way of saying i think two and a half would be unheard of in a lot of these cases but now it's one of those things like i saw some people kind of go like because i think venom into the carnage or whatever the fuck uh, it's gonna be under two hours, and some people were like mad about that, and it's like no, that's 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 
so much better like a, a venom sequel does not need to be well it doesn't need to exist but if it does it doesn't need to be fucking two hours you know yeah <laughs> or over two hours like don't do that but so many people in their minds it's ingrained like it has to be two and a half hours or else you can't tell all the story it's like no well we talked about this also earlier in the year maybe maybe you and i didn't so much so but maybe, i know david and i discussed it when I think it was more prevalent with WandaVision, but also even with Falcon and Winter Soldier, where week to week people were bitching about the the exact runtime of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, as if that mattered or meant anything. They're like, it was only 40 minutes. Okay. <laughs> like, That's the standard runtime of an episode of television. Yeah. Like, I don't uh... First, it's... Once you add it up anyways, it's going to be like five hours like quit bitching <laughs> i don't know but no yeah this... but don't, don't don't say that because then they're, then they're going to expect exactly five you know and two the hours dot. Like, to the dot it needs yeah, to that's be I... exactly that's... and if it's not then they'll be complaining about yeah. it but... like you lie to us and we'll then a month later same. they'll be crying and throwing up in the bathroom because it didn't win enough Emmys. <laughs> isn't that hilarious though <laughs> Uh, that's a side conversation. We'll have it on Red Spotlight. I'm sure David and I will discuss the Emmys, oh, so yeah. catch that. But, yeah, like like this, it has, with the ending, it literally has, you know, uh, the, the, the action, which is expose the aliens, shows a quick gag, because it's still an 80s film, so you have to have mm -hmm. boobs somewhere. Um, so, so they snuck it in right before the end and then credits. And can we talk about that though? <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Cause like at the ending, like, the whole thing's exposed. You're seeing all of this, you know, being uncovered. The public finally understands that these creatures are among them and they've kind of seemingly integrated themselves. And the last thing we see is, um, two people having intercourse. And then of course, uh, the woman who is positioned on on top <laughs> on top realizes what's underneath her and she screams and then i think the last things we hear is what's wrong baby and the whole <laughs> he cuts to black <laughs> they just cuts to black it's so it's oh, a brilliant I love ending it. i love it i love it so much <laughs> and that's that's what me that's what real movie making cinema. is about right there that's cinema <laughs> Scorsese would 100% consider it cinema. Uh, yeah. But I actually saw this film in... Not not the first time. I'd already seen it. But it was showed to me in a, like, intro to film class I had taken one time for, like, a, a, a couple credits. And also... When was this? Huh? When was this class, by the way? I don't know. Years ago. Okay. Um, in the before time. In the before time. <laughs> and this was... We saw quite a few films. And this was one of the films we saw. And it was so funny ah. how mind-blowing it was to, the, to like, <clears throat> people who had never seen it. Because they're, like, I think oh. pretty much everyone there had never seen it. Right. And they're just, like, like... People have seen this, like, 
and, and, and someone made a comment like, why haven't things changed or something like that? Like, like people knew about this, like something like that. Like it, it was the film that, that people in the class were most, um, what's the word? In, uh, engaged with. <laughs> mm, interesting. Okay. And I thought it was so cool just to watch it in that way where it's, I don't know. It seemed to really like connect a lot with with the audience of of college kids. So yeah, that that was cool. That was a really cool way to watch it. And and the the teacher was kind of smiling, like oh, like <laughs> they're they're definitely connecting with it. But yeah, no, I love this film. I love John Carpenter. There's also some things like you know, it takes another. There are also some other turns you don't see coming as you're experiencing it because there are two characters. Uh, one happens to be to a minor extent, but you do see um, you know, part of uh, how they've been able to integrate themselves as they've um, they've hammed it up with the elite and they've schmoozed with them. And you realize, oh, wait a minute. It wasn't so much that the aliens just got here and they took over. More so they were invited, They're invited to in. take over by the elite and the power base. And it, honestly, it's disgusting to me how that is just so easily believable that if that were to happen, that's exactly how it would happen. And it wouldn't even, in a heartbeat, of course, they'd make that decision. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're doing it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're selling. But I mean, their... if, if aliens actually <laughs> came here and did that, yeah. this is how it would play. Oh, for sure. If that's, if that's the approach that they went with instead of like blowing everything up and killing us. <laughs> Yeah. Um. But no, yeah, I love, I love, I lo- this is just one of those, it's so iconic. The imagery, uh, the characters, the actors, the lines. I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Yes. And I am all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Um, which, yeah, that's one of the lines that was apparently improv, but it's everywhere, man. Like, like, that's another thing where I, I'd heard that line a million times before I ever saw the film. And so this is like, oh, it's, this from, is where it's this from. This is where it's from. This is what it is. Um, and yeah, I guess if I was going to just. I, I don't even know what the fuck he was trying to do. Just murder as much aliens as he could. I'd, I'd throw in a one-liner as well. I guess you could make the argument that he, at that point, you all, you know what? That everything's fucked. At some point, I'm going to get fucked. So I'm going to fuck as many as along the way as I can. Probably. Is his whole mentality. <laughs> also, some, tw- some turns to some of the other characters. Because he... I don't know. It's interesting, right? Like, it's it's not so... It's not really anything that's given any kind of development because it's not intended to be that but he obviously clearly has um he forms some kind of attachment or feelings shall we say to holly the girl who he kidnaps <laughs> ironically <laughs> enough yeah because like, she she comes to him at a meeting with the um appearance of having like turned and then it comes uh <laughs> 
you find out that, oh no, she didn't do that. She's known this whole time, and her being there was part of the setup to really go all Gestapo on them. Because mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, she's at the satellite tower, or at, at the control room, and she shoots Keith David. <laughs> and then she tries to kill Nada. Uh, that was something I didn't see coming. That was a really good twist. Also, one that was cleverly put in there was uh, one of the old guys from the uh, homeless encampment that apparently was converted, uh, or uh, at least recruited, shall we say, yeah. into being uh, with them. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that's again. I think that it's interesting the way it adds to the commentary, because mm-hmm. there will, like we said, there will always be those people. Doesn't matter how how low they are, they will still defend the system. Uh, and it sucks. <laughs> you can't convince them otherwise. I think both these films tonight showed that. Uh. One of the key messages was these hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> I think that's it's it's in there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I uh I agree with you. I'm not I saying agree. I agree. That's with not where I'm, I'm saying. That... Both films I agree with that. your assessment. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, this is one of my all-time favorites. Easy, 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 easy peasy. You got anything else? Uh, no, not really. Uh, this is a great movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's such a fun time. And if you're watch, if you're looking for anything new, uh, as, you know, obviously I was looking, I always, you know, these last couple of years, um, I come from the perspective of somebody who's never really been all that into Halloween. I'm still not, but I do and have been getting more and more into horror movies. I've often said that when we first uh, started doing podcasts years and years ago, I wasn't crazy about horror movies, largely because I hadn't seen them, <laughs> largely because I went out of my way to not see them because I didn't want that in my life. But then I realized, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole world of like wonderful stories out there in the horror genre. There's a lot of great filmmaking, really, maybe some of the best filmmaking, really, in these uh, in this horror genre that people really overlook. And the more you dig into it, the more you realize, uh, these are just great fucking movies. Who cares about genre? They're fucking amazing. Yeah. And they're so effective as well. And it helps me get in the season of the Halloween spirit with all of these um, horror properties that we're diving into. So if you're looking for something new to watch, go watch this one and society for that matter. Although society, I, I don't know I about say society. That society is fucking gross. It's... I haven't been that grossed out watching a movie that you've recommended since since we did the Del, the Del Toro series last year, Mimic. Ooh, God, fucking like it's just I'm mean, talking about like just the imagery. It's just, just gross mm. and ugh. Yeah, that's why I I guess I had known you hadn't watched Society yet because I knew I was gonna get a what the fuck message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Literally, am I watching? It it might be one of the grossest movies out there like mainstream films like i'm sure you can find some snuff films and some underground shit well i don't know how mainstream or not mimic would be maybe not so much anymore it was it was well, intended I mean, like, to be mainstream release like a mainstream release film, right right 
That's what I mean. Not like like an indie film where it's like it was a movie that was made by like fucking studios and came out of movie theaters. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like that kind of shit. Even for its rated R rating, it's just stuff that you would norm- normally associate with a mainstream movie. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of shit. So speaking of gross ass fucking shit, let's talk about society. <laughs> society directed by Brian Usna. It's all about fitting in. A Beverly Hills team discovers his parents are part of a gruesome orgy cult for the social elite. Starring Billy Can you read that sentence again, Peter, for the boys and girls listening at home? Uh, That last (laughs) bit of it. (laughs) A Beverly Hills teen discovers his parents are part of a gruesome orgy cult for the social elite. Okay. This is the thing. Both these films came out the same year. Yeah. People felt a kind of way. They seem to have done that. <laughs> yes, they seem time. to have felt that way. Uh-huh. Because um, goddamn. Like, these films are very similar. In, yeah, aren't in, they? In sort of story structure. Or, or just like the, the basic parts of story where you have... You're somewhat every man who mm-hmm. is discovering uh, this secret world underneath run by the elites. And there's a, a more, I wouldn't say supernatural, but science fiction tint to it mm-hmm. that uh, opens up the world in a big way. And similarly, it ends on a dumb gag and then just cuts to black. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh but what's so interesting about this film it, it plays it straight for a long time yes unlike uh they live where it plays it straight for a while but it, by halfway through the movie you're saying some you're seeing some crazy shit Right, like mm-hmm. with this film, it's really not until the third act where yeah. shit just hits the fucking fan. Pretty much like the last twenty minutes. The last twenty minutes is some of the the grossest shit you'll ever see, and it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I was disgusted by the film, but I also loved it. So there's that. It's it's insanely disgusting, but it's. It it also has a, a sense of humor that I think doesn't fit at all, but that's what I kind of like about it because it's just like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I did notice that. I wondered why it was there, but you know what? I I guess we we needed something. It's like like that. Someone who's like a professional dad joke writer <laughs> would just come in randomly and and, and throw in a joke. And, and, and so, so it's like you'll see some of the grossest shit you've seen on film, and then a dad joke, and you're just sit that you're just there and like, with your face just all fucked up, looking at the screen, going like, "What is this?" Um, 
but that kind of makes me love it more <laughs> because of that. Um, but the crux of the story is, is his name Billy? I feel like every 80s kid was name was Billy. Let me see. Um, What's his name? You're oh, right. It was Billy. And his real name yeah. is Bill. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Warlock. Um, Played by Bill Whitney here. Warlock. Yeah. They're really... Yeah. Huh. <laughs> They're hmm. really uh, keeping it subtle. But yeah, he's born into a very... Beverly Hills, right? It's all about the excess, rich, all of that. But he's never quite felt like he fit in. It's... it's it's It kind of pretends to be a high school film for a little bit. A lot beginning. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a mystery. And you're following him as he's trying to figure out what's going on with his family. And because what happens is there's this elite club where you have a sort of coming out party. I think that's what they call it, a coming out party. And and it's literally a club. It's interesting, though, because to hear that from a modern day perspective, you hear coming out party and you think something very different yeah. in 2021 than 1989. For sure. It's like, what do you mean a coming out party? Like, what, did somebody? What's were you coming out of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like okay uh but this is what i mean when it's like who gives a fuck about subtlety the club's name is literally called society <laughs> oh that's true yeah <laughs> oh god i love it so much and there's just weird shit going on between his parents and his sister it's very much implied to be somewhat incestuous and she used to have a a boyfriend, but but now like he comes and and shows her a tape, and it's really, and this is the first point where you realize the movie takes a turn because it starts off like kind of an eighties high school movie following the kid where it's like yeah because at first on? you think to yourself well clearly Billy here is having problems with his family and you've seen this before in, in a number of other films if, if it's a movie of a high school situation where okay well there are issues here and we, you notice immediately off the bat that the parents just don't they're they're kind of cold toward him and perhaps there's a, a, a deeper reason for that but it, it's not at all what you expect then you hear the recording And then you're like, and I, I, I kind of have no words <laughs> I to say with what I heard. You kind of like, um, what? <laughs> That's the first hint in the film where it's like, uh, it's it's going for it for sure. Basically, the, the coming out party is more of a fuck party, and 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 I mean, it's basically an audio sex tape. Yeah. But the main participants were his sister and their parents. Like, the, they do not pl downplay the incestuous stuff at all. Like, <laughs> um, both these movies are kind of an Alex Jones rant personified. <laughs> like... Pedophile alien elites just spend their evenings <laughs> raping children and da 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 da. The difference is Alex Jones is is an actor. 
He's just yeah. as much as an elite. He doesn't believe the shit he says. Um, and he makes up shit. Here, though, it's 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 really all that. Like, just calling it out. Like, I I don't think these the people that made this movie like rich people. Because it, it's literally just... <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> they are incest, incestuous, evil, non-human... Um, entities that only survive off of sucking off regular people they eat them yeah it's a weird thing it's like when you realize uh what what look there's a couple of revelations because first like you realize okay there's something really dark happening here but then there's a big reveal of um what they are they tell you what they are and you see what they look like and those are two very Big things to take in, trust me, in and of themselves. But then when you come in and they show you what they like to do and how they do it, um, I, it's, I guess, the, the best, the easiest way to describe what happens is they, it, it is a, an orgy mm -hmm. and the, and the society people engage in it, uh, in a very, uh, sexual manner, obviously, as orgies are, and they're very into it. And they, it, it's, uh, I'm not even sure if orgy is the right way of saying it because it pretty much is group rape. Um, I mean, or I'm sorry, not rape, but group sexual assault because they're all very much kind of molesting the person while eating them. Yes. But they're also having right? like, sex with each other. Yeah. So I guess you could say it is a group, it is an orgy, but it also is a. A group sexual assault thing. I don't know what the right terminology is there, but, but it, it's, it, it's it's a lot of things. <laughs> it's very alien. It yes. is not. If in your mind you're picturing like just human beings doing it, that no. is not. That is not what this is. No. They, what happens is everyone kind of gets naked and they meld together. And become like this massive interconnecting goop. But they're still vaguely human. And that leads to a lot of body horror stuff. And 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 arms and genitalia and certain things and weird uh places and it's all very fucked up and at the end of the process uh the society people go back to how they were and then the person who they were preying on is dead they've absorbed them it, they're just gone yeah yeah and and the whole thing is like everyone does it within society so it's like yeah it's like the family together and da, da 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 well there's a point again this oh my god they really don't hold back where his parents and his sister go off on their own to 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 the room oh yeah yeah and they like what happens is they morph into like Oh God! One I just remembered bean? that. Oh, yeah. There's a butthead joke in there. 
and I think you know why if you give it two seconds and think about it. I'm not going to describe it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so fucked up. Well, to be fair, they're not actually his parents, and that's not actually his sister. I, what, what, what turns out is that he is a regular... Um, he's a regular human. Yeah. But he was raised, what did they call the shunting? I think. Something like that. He was basically raised like cattle because they they only wanted the finest specimens, I guess. So he was, he was raised to be a fine, it's like basically like, um, FFA. He was, he was the cow. (laughs) He was raised yeah. by the family, you know, fed well, um, given love, quote unquote. And then when when the time was right, he was going to be eaten. Right. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, pretty fucked but That's up. true. But when, when we talk about like on the, how on the nose it is, like while they're doing this whole orgy thing, you, you have. And this is what's so funny to me. This like the guy who's kind of the leader. He's like this old white guy with a cigar, and he's talking mm-hmm. to to the the school bully. The the he's kind of or Billy has fought with a couple of times, and he turns out he's an alien. And he's like, "Oh, this fine lad, I think we'll have an office open up for you in Washington next year, an internship." Oh, ha 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 ha. <laughs> and and. <laughs> And when I talk about over the top, like he has the cigar in his mouth, when he he when he comes out, because he he like at one point he gets into the orgy and he becomes goop too. When he comes out of the goop, he still has the cigar in his mouth, and I'm like, what? Like it, <laughs> it's so stupid, but 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 because he's a cartoon character, right? Like like he needs his cigar in his mouth because that's that's his character he's the fucking monopoly man they should have fucking gave him monaco that would have been even better um but yeah i do when it comes to this film i i don't like it as much as um they live they live i like they they live more this mm-hmm. one it's it's kind of an average high school mystery um yeah 80s film and then the ending just hits you over the head with the shovel yeah <laughs> like it kind of just like whoa yeah. and then all you can really remember is that last 10 minutes um yeah. because the effects are really good yeah like they're fantastic effects right and, and all of it practical um yeah you've never seen effects like this really really good and and then of course the way it ends is he fights the bully and because they're kind of like squishy sort of beans he shit he like punches mm-hmm up his butt, I assume, grabs him, yeah, and yeah. pulls him inside out, mm-hmm. which basically and kills it, him. It, 
And he explodes. Yeah. And then he just runs away with the girl. <laughs> and they're like, we'll get with the, you. With the girl who is also one of... Um, she Yeah, she's one the of them too. People. She's one of the society people. Well, because he meets her earlier at a party. It's one of the 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 rich parties that he never gets invited to, but he got invited to it. And then, yeah, they, 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 they have sex, but then he finds out that she's different. Cause that's, there's hints throughout the film. that's like, okay, there's some crazy shit going on. And one of the hints is that like, she's laying on the bed and her like backside is facing forward. Yeah. And it's quick. And it's uh-huh. it's not like it's just creepy, like, whoa, what the fuck? Like it happens real quick. But it isn't it's not like grotesque in the way it, it becomes in the third act. But yeah, she's just it's just kind of love interest in the film. She's like, Don't hurt him. Run, Billy. And then the idiot runs upstairs. Enjoy running at it. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, this this film is worth watching for the shock value of the ending, and then of course the 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 political commentary, which I found so funny. <laughs> and again, because um, I'm not sure I've seen as many R-rated '80s movies, but and this is just something that that stood out to me. But it seemed as if um. They really uh, went. Uh, the, there was there was a lot of attention paid to the execution of that sex scene more than you'd see in movies these days. Where I don't even think you'd see many sex scenes anymore in mainstream movies. The, anyway. the thing is, the thing you need to know about older films is they had a lot of sex. Yeah, apparently. And I think it it's not until even the two thousands they had like their their sex thrillers. And stuff like mm-hmm. that, but it is that a whole genre? Yeah, that's like a whole really? fucking genre. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Okay, and it's not that that's not the same thing as adult. No, movies. it's not. It's not porn. No, right, no, it, okay. it, it's just sexy. Well, I guess it's better to say sexy thrillers. I guess. Okay. Um, there's nothing explicit, but but it's yeah, it's nudity. It's you know all that all that stuff. Um, and there is nudity here. Yeah, it's an eighties yeah. film. Of course, there's nudity. yeah. <laughs> it's an 80s R-rated movie at that. Even PG films had nudity. No, yeah, I know 80s, that, but like, like when I was saying it's like with R-rated, well, it's even more yeah. than what would it's yeah. it's a guarantee because back then again there was no standards, there was no uh, people weren't being PC, and and like producers were just like, yeah, we just need naked women in the movie because naked women sell. And then that was that's that was in every fucking movie. No, but like that has basically disappeared from mainstream film mm-hmm. since the later two thousands, I would say. It's like I feel a lot of people continuously I think once a year someone brings up on film Twitter about why the Marvel movies don't have any sex scenes in them. Um, that's a whole discussion, but it's not exclusive to them. That's no. for sure. I think in general, in general like, there's just sex a... has been drained out of um mainstream. Unless you're on streaming, then all the shows, TV has gone in the other TV. direction. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. TV is like they'll for sure they'll do it. 
But in film, like mainstream film, it's completely disappeared. And I think because, honestly, I think it's because of the internet. Probably. Because the only place you could see stuff like that was at the movies. So if you wanted to see that kind of stuff, you went to the movies. And now you want to see that stuff, you you can Google it, I guess, you know. <laughs> And for our younger listeners, um, if you haven't seen Taxi Driver, there was a scene where, you know, Robert De Niro's character frequent, frequented an adult yes. movie theater. Now, those things were something that existed where, you know, before the internet, before tapes, if you wanted to go see porn, there were exclusive movie theaters for that. Can you believe that? <laughs> Literally, yeah, movie theaters exclusive to that. And you just had to walk in and watch it with other people, I, I guess. Yeah, but I I think when film, what happened was the when film became, we got to sell tickets, and the way you sell tickets is to bring in everyone, and the way you bring in everyone is families. Um, and it, like people no longer the people that went to to the movies to see the sort of sex stuff, they don't have they don't have to do that anymore, so they probably just stopped going. Whereas families mm-hmm. still go. So it's like, okay, everything mainstream is family friendly. Which, I mean, yeah, like, times change. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. <laughs> but that's an interesting uh, side tangent there that I, uh, I've noticed, that's for sure. Uh, but you're right, though. Overall, like, there isn't that much more to say. Uh, for the most of the movie, you feel like you're watching an average movie. It's it's good. It's not bad. Uh, but then the ending really pops, and you're just kind of – it kind of throws a crowbar at you to the point where when the film ends, and like, the fuck did I just see? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like – it's like if you're on a roller coaster, and it has little bumps, and it's like, yeah, okay, this is kind of nice, and then like a bajillion foot drop at the end. <laughs> oh, like once you get out of that roller coaster, all you can think about is that fucking drop. <laughs> yeah, like, holy shit. Um, but it's a hell of a drop in this film. And yeah, I, 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 it's one of those where I think it's good, even if it's not your thing. It's worth seeing at least once. <laughs> I agree. It is gross. Yeah, but, but that's why. <laughs> That's why it's gross. Yeah. That, yeah, I want to be very explicit. If any of this, if you're gross, like, I would, I would recommend they live to just about anyone. I wouldn't to, if you're so up no, for it, no. it's worth seeing at least once. Yeah. If you're not up for there, it, yeah. don't. <laughs> there are people who probably would be like, grossed out to a level where like, they would be angry for being why recommended yeah, like how like dare you place. make me watch this yeah so don't yeah. don't put that shit on me okay <laughs> if you think you'd be grossed out don't fucking watch it if you want to test yourself okay but don't blame me yeah <laughs> i liked it <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of where we are oh yeah. But yeah, man, uh, so far, uh, we're three for three. I can't, I don't think there's ever been an instance where I, uh, have ever not liked a movie you've recommended, um, only because I know that you really do try to come up with films that you think that I'm going to enjoy, um, 
unlike other other people uh, on this show that went out of their way to to uh, make me watch movies that they knew I, w- I wouldn't like and yeah anyway uh, so far I really have enjoyed the films uh, so far for this particular theme and I can't wait to see what comes next and I also do want to remind those of you who are listening to our regular check out our regular podcast Red Spotlight Entertainment where we're also going to have more content that's going to be horror themed uh, we have an upcoming episode discussing the Fear Street trilogy that recently was dropped on Netflix this past summer. We meant to discuss it at that time, but you know what? We figured, among other reasons, <laughs> to push it for later in the year to give it its own time, as well as Malignant, which is produced by James Wong, the horror mastermind, which you can currently watch in theaters or stream on HBO Max. And then also, we're I am very much honestly at this point the most the single most thing I'm anticipating is the new series by Mike Flanagan, the master at hand here, Midnight Mass. Of course, Mike Flanagan, who directed Doctor Sleep, is creator of The Haunting of Hell House and Blind Manor. He's coming back to Netflix. He's coming back with another seven episode miniseries, Midnight Mass. I uh, am very encouraged by the amazing reviews that it's gotten, and you sure as hell bet we're going to be talking about that show on Red Spotlight. So keep it here for more content. Thank you, Peter, for being here. Thank you all for listening. Catch your podcast anywhere listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, CastBox, and everything. Uh, and we'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.